This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 139, Finding Your New Learning Curve, with our guest, Bob Huey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. This is your host, Greg Gazin. We have another exciting speaker today. Canadian idea man Bob Huey is a prolific author of over 30 books on leadership and career success. He's also spoken in probably the same number of countries and more and travels the world sharing his innovative ideas at work. Well, at least he did until COVID hit. Now he's learned some new avenues to partner with leaders and innovative organizations around the globe to equip their leaders and their teams for profitable growth and success during these difficult times. Now, Bob himself has tackled his steep learning curve, and he says you can too. Bob says in times of challenge, people need help and hope. And this is my business, quote unquote. Bob, welcome to the program. My pleasure, Greg. Thank you for having me. It's always good to speak with you. Of course, Bob is also a fellow Toastmaster, and he's been a mentor for many. And so I want to say thank you for taking the time to to be on the program today. Well, it's my pleasure. Now, Bob, you speak, you travel around the world. To say the least, your speaking career has probably been more or less obliterated, right? Airports close, borders close, events just pretty much shut down. Most people would probably feel that, OMG, my greatest fears have been realized. When this happened to you, how did you feel at that moment? And what were some of the things that that went through your head? Well, you know, nobody likes to be forcibly retired or laid off or fired or whatever. I've had all of those things happen over the years. But it's the first time I've had a pandemic essentially retire me. And like you were saying at that point, I wasn't going anywhere because we couldn't fly any place out of Canada. There was six six airports that they'd allowed people to fly out of. And Europe, for example, was closed. And I was supposed to be doing uh, three or four trips to Europe uh, in the spring. And all, th- all three of them were canceled. So uh, to be honest, at the time, I went through a short depression. It, it wasn't very long because I have a, I have a point of not allowing myself to be down too often. I'll, I'll sometimes let myself wallow in it for half a day and then I'll get on and get going on something. Because I mean, you don't want to waste a good depression, you know, I just, you don't get to <laughs> off, you well enjoy it and just get down and then just get into it. And then, okay, now enough is enough. Let's get on with life. The thing that worked for me was thinking about what I do. And I asked myself, am I enamored or in love with the travel you know, the international travel and this mystique that goes with it and all that kind of goodies? Or am I committed to getting my message out? And I thought, no, it's really about the message. The bonus is the travel. So now instead of traveling the world, I'm sharing my message from Egremont, Alberta, little town nobody's ever heard of. 78 people, you know, it's a, it's a little town. It's, you know, we've been assigned, we have a sign at the edge of town saying, last one out, please turn off the light. And now I'm I'm doing that with with Skype and Zoom and doing things like this. You know, I'm still sharing my message around the world, but I'm doing it from home because that's my choice to do nothing or do something. I prefer to do something 
even if it's not perfect, even if it doesn't fully meet the needs, at least it moves me forward, keeps me fresh, and keeps my brain working. Interesting. I can still recall when you did one of your recent programs that you came out with this phrase or this quote that says, I can't travel, but my message can. And that's something that really sticks. Yeah, that's that's my resolution. I figured that out and go, okay, I'm not going anywhere, but my message can still travel the world. And the funny thing is you wanted to travel since you were young. And I know you share that in some of your keynote speeches and then also in some of your books. But losing your income isn't really new to you. You've kind of been there, done there before, right? Yeah. So you got experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got experience in, <laughs> in being broke. And, and uh, you know, luckily in this case, when 9-11 happened, for example, uh, that effectively shut down my business for quite a while, you know, to the point where in the three weeks after 9-11, I lost five engagements. One of them rescheduled close to New York, which is amazing. That was the one of what they went ahead with. The other ones didn't. Then I thought, oh, no big deal. It'll shrug off. But the next year was horrible because in those days, I didn't have a real business. I had a career. In other words, I say that in the sense that I would speak, I would travel. And because I would speak, I would get referrals and I get additional business. But because I wasn't traveling, I wasn't getting the referrals. So it, it didn't take long for it to spiral down to nothing. And I went from January to June that particular year, I made 500 bucks. And that's because I was asked to step in for uh, Alberta's uh, Lieutenant Governor, Lois Hall, wasn't able to do a speaking engagement. And a friend of mine said, well, Bob, could you come and do it? She just lost her husband and she was just getting chemotherapy. So that was it. That's what I made for like six months, 500 bucks. It scared the heck out of me. That didn't even pay my phone bills. <laughs> Now, Bob, I'm going to share with the world that you are now 71, and I'm thinking most people or many people, if this pandemic hit, they're thinking, well, first of all, at 71, a lot of people might already be retired. We're thinking of retiring, but not you. You actually had plans when you were 70. You had plans for your 71st birthday. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, what I had planned is I was putting, I put together a two-day uh, conference in Barcelona, Spain, with the help of my friends in PSA Spain. We called it Destiny 2021. And I invited a few speakers. And as it turned out, we had 15 of us coming in to speak. And shortly before we were to hold it, the idea was that I would speak there on my on the 18th of April, which was my 71st birthday, and we'd throw this party. Uh, the sad part is I actually had to be the one to phone them and say, guys, I can't get out of Canada, and the European Union is closed down, period. Uh, so none of our speakers can get there. I think we'll just have to close it down. Maybe we'll look at doing another one next year and call it Destiny 2021. And so that was it. We weren't going anywhere again. <laughs> that was even tougher, because that was going to be a fun birthday. However, Bob Huey is the idea man, and... <laughs> You are finding your new learning curve. So what did you do instead? And I think we, for some of you who know Bob, we, uh, you already know what he did, but Bob, maybe just share with others what you did. I went back to my speaker friends and said, hey guys, we have this Zoom thing. <laughs> Zoom thing. We, how about if we put together a program in support of PSA Spain and we'll call it a speaker's roundtable. So we did that on the 18th. So I did actually get a chance to speak on my birthday. And what we did is we miniaturized it. So instead of each of us having half an hour, each of us then took 
what we had for the half hour and, and brought it down to five minutes so that it, it became a two and a half hour program that we did that was uh, tremendously well received and was a lot of fun. It was an awful lot of work, but it was a great learning curve because it was my first chance to to direct people uh, on that level, you know, whereas we were doing something, we had spent months and months trying to do the live event. So in, in about two weeks, we pivoted and created an online event to replace it. And I was uh, very grateful to be able to be a part of that. I participated as a, as a listener, not as a speaker, but tell us a little bit more about the speakers, how, how you and also the speakers had to adapt. Well, the interesting thing is all of us had the same challenge. Some of the speakers were better equipped because they had been doing some live, you know, some virtual events in the past. So they were more familiar with it, but all of us were in, in various places were on lockdown. A lot of the European speakers were on total lockdown, even more so than here in Canada. So they had, they literally had to do it from their living room or their bathroom or their kitchen or wherever they could set up. Uh, I was lucky. I had an office, one room just in the house. So I just shut the door and, and played with my equipment until I got it to work and, and created it. But uh, the fun part also was was having one of our speakers acted as the MC. So then the work putting that together. So he had the script to, to do all the introductions and so forth. You know, we had a lady from England that was coming to entertain for us. One of our speakers, it was her niece, and she was actually going to bring her and her accompanist to Barcelona so that she could perform for us over the two and a half days. So it was it was an interesting challenge, but the end result was really good. And we felt good about it. And of course, we're all talking about it. I just had a, a note from one of the speakers yesterday saying, I'm really looking forward to maybe next year live in Barcelona. And me too. <laughs> me too, live anywhere. <laughs> that was a very significant event because I think at that point in time, except for maybe Hollywood and some of the news outlets, there were very few other organizations or groups or associations that had put together this type of event on a global scale as you did. Yeah, I guess that would be true. I mean, again, I, I used Zoom when I was a region advisor for Toastmasters, which allowed me to work with my district teams and we'd have meetings, about four meetings a month. But that's different than performing. That's different than presenting. For me, it was brand new. And I had to adapt to, if I was doing this on Zoom, I would, I would, you would see my hands going out to frame within the little rectangle. Because I, you know, as I tell people, this is now my view, my window to the world is this, is this little rectangle. And depending how many people are on the Zoom call depends on the size of the rectangle. That's the adaption. You need to say to yourself, okay, what can I still do? Or what can I do differently? Because you can always do something. I mean, you can quit. But for most of us, that's not really an option. But other than quitting, what can you do? I, I believe there's always a solution. Sometimes you have to really dig hard to find it. Even, even being a creative person like I am and being the idea man, there are times I've got a shovel and I'm digging deep. Yeah. It was a very significant event that you did. And, and it's interesting because, again, as I go back, not to belittle the point that you were 71 or that you are 71, <laughs> But uh, no, it's going somewhere. It's not me just trying to be, ha ha, Bob, you're an old guy. Because <laughs> I know I remember I listened to your, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there, but I listened to your keynote that you delivered at the Apollo in France. And 
you had talked about another individual that had had a significant accomplishment at, at 71. So maybe just share a little bit about that. Part of what I talked about, I actually labeled that when I'm still learning because Michelangelo, they know about St. Saint, Saint Peter's Basilica and David and the mother. And he had, he had gained exposure and expertise and fame as a, as a sculptor, as a painter, as a poet, and as an architect. And at 87, he was in the midst of finishing off St. Peter's. He was quoted as saying, I am still learning. And I remember hearing that or reading that 10 or 15 years ago, and that, that resonated with me. I thought, okay, I get it. At that point, I think actually, I think this goes back to when I was 50, which is a long time back now. But And I thought, you know, I'm only 50 years old. If I live long enough, I'm going to learn how to do this well enough that and I'm going to keep learning all the way along because that's that's what's going to keep me fresh. That's what's going to keep me relevant to my clients. And that's what's going to keep paying the bills because things change. And if we don't change with it, we get left in the dust. It's just that simple. Yeah. Now, some people might have already shifted in terms of what they're doing. Others may have been in limbo over the last couple of months. The summer comes to an end. September is going to be starting. They're going to have to make make some changes. One of the things, and you even alluded to it in the intro that you kindly supplied to me, is that not only going out and doing things for organizations, but partnering with leaders and innovative organizations. So maybe just pick your brain a little bit, some of the thoughts that you might have for individuals and organizations in terms of some of the things that that they can do to be able to find their new learning curve. Okay. I think one of the things that I suggest to people is if you want to increase your value, if say you're working within an association or you're working with a, an organization, if you want to increase your value, you need to you need to be a partner with them in what they're doing, not just an employee, but you also need to be a partner with people outside of your association or your organization because sometimes the answers you need to the problems that you seek to deal with are in the minds of other people. And if you're not communicating, you're not connecting, you're not collaborating, then you're going to be isolated and you're going to be fighting it by yourself. And I don't believe that we have to fight alone. I really don't. One of the things that, again, has been uh, kind of a catchphrase for me is people are more willing to help than I am to ask. And Mm -hmm. I, I remember saying that when I got the Spirit of Caps Award for the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, it's uh, it's kind of a high service award that we give once a year. Ravi Tangre, who was the president at that time, got up and he, he did the lead and he didn't say who it was. And this person's done this and this and this. And he went on for like two minutes. And initially I went, wow, this guy's really been doing this, this lady, because he didn't say this man or woman. Until they finally said, and this person has been, you know, was one of the first people to attend Camp NSA. And I thought, my God, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> but I got up, I, I took a very long walk to the stage because I thought, what am I going to say? And one of the things I said was, you know, it's funny, all of these things that Ravi said would not have happened if people hadn't said yes when I asked for help. And same thing with the, the Speaker's Roundtable or even the original Destiny 2020, which was originally going to be me coming and doing a morning session so that I could come and spend a week in, in Barcelona and spend my birthday with PSA Spain. And then we expanded it. Things happen if you ask for help. 
And it's not necessarily showing a sign of weakness. I know some oh. people might be afraid to do it. And they might even be afraid to even share with their teams because I'm sure there's organizations out there where the team members may have been home for a while. They may not have even been face-to-face with the leaders of the organization. And they're thinking, what's going on? What's happening? You know, what's going to happen yeah. with my job? What's going to happen with the company? Well, and, and again, I, I was just in an interview with someone else last week and I said something along that same line. I said, if you were in a position where you've had to lay off or furlough people, it's not like they're necessarily going to go find a job somewhere else because right now their jobs aren't available. But it doesn't hurt. In fact, it helps for you to keep in contact with them on a regular basis and say, you know, how are you doing? You know, here's what we're doing. We're, we're still closed. We can't do anything about it yet. But when we do, we will bring you back. And, and to encourage them to keep focused or maybe give them something to play with or work on that keeps their mind active. Because I think that's, a, that's an aspect of leadership is not being afraid to tell the truth, not being afraid to say, here's a challenge that we have, because inevitably somebody that's on your team may have the answer. A lot of it, it's, it's funny. A lot of leaders think, oh, we can't talk about this because I don't want them to know. Right. People know nine times out of 10, they know before, before the person even mentions it. And they're waiting for the, the boss or, or whoever to say, hey, we've got a challenge. Anybody got any idea? And this, there's three or four people. Yeah, I've got an idea, but I didn't know if you were open to listen. So not only should they be sharing with their team members and also looking at people within their organization or within, or within their associations to come up with ways they also need to find some ways of being creative as well. So is there any thoughts or suggestions in terms of what people can do to maybe spawn that creativity? Well, there's lots of ways of doing it. I mean, we, I write about it in some of my books, but I mean, little things like sit down and think of different words to describe something else or, hmm. you know, deliberately make up your own word. You've got to, you look at an object and instead of calling it a, a picture, call it something else and define it because that makes your brain work or, Take a look at something and say, okay, can you make 10 points that connect with this object or this activity that you hadn't thought of before? There's a whole bunch of stuff like that you can do. Just I call them brain boosters just to, uh, to play. Like, for example, uh, pretend you're, you're creating your own day. You know, you just created a holiday in your name. Why would you do that? What would it be called? Why would people celebrate it? And what could you do to celebrate it? Part of my ongoing challenge is I hate being bored because that's just not me. And I also hate doing nothing. You know, like even when I go on holidays, I'm good for three or four days of doing nothing. And then (laughs) I start getting active and my brain starts. Like back when I was still in the kitchen business, I would go to uh, Hawaii was my go-to place. If I had a really good year, I'd go for three weeks or a month. If I had a bad year, I'd go for a week. When I went longer, if I went for three weeks or longer, about week two, I started looking around going, well, let's see, I could start a business over here doing this. Maybe that would be good to work with the tourists or, you know, I could do that. And, you know, I, I created all these businesses that I never did because I went back to work, you know, just keeping my mind active and being a, a observant and watching things. Because there's lots of opportunities that we don't see if we're not open, if we're running so fast, we don't see things. We miss opportunities to be one beneficial to other people two to maybe create something of value. And three, maybe even create something that puts some money in your pockets or some jingle in your jeans. See, Bob, now you're making me think you started talking about creating a day 
The first thing that came to mind is I've heard from so many people about how their day has now changed. It's not the same as it used to be. I want to get back to the way things were. Things are disruptive. Things are this, things are that. And I was thinking, instead of saying, okay, this is the way it was, this is the way it is now, well, you're almost suggesting, and it just popped into my head, why don't you just clean the slate and say, okay, what are our days going to look like now that this new reality is probably going to be with us for a while? Yeah, and I agree. I don't think... In all honesty, I don't see this having a major change this year, and I'm not even sure for next year. And that may sound negative to some people, but that's that's just being realistic and looking at what's happening around the world, and specifically south of the border, where they, in very few instances, have any kind of control on what's happening with COVID, which means they are a danger to us, which is one of the reasons why there's three countries that will allow Americans to travel to them. And none of them are Europe and none of them are Canada. So that's going to make a big difference. Like, for example, it means to me that for my anniversary with Irene in October, we can't go to Vegas or we can't go to New Orleans and take a cruise because it's not safe. So we will have to come up with something else. But we will still find a way of taking some time and celebrating a special moment for us. I think we can all do that. I mean, we can play with it and just say, what day is it? It's Tuesday. I mean, I do that to my wife because I'm getting old now. Uh-huh. But and I'll, I, Well, actually, part of it is because I'm working from home. Sometimes you lose track. You don't know. I go, is today Tuesday? No, it's Thursday. Okay, good. Then tomorrow's Friday. I mean, you know. And, and it really has to do with if I've got something booked, like I knew I had this conversation with you booked, so I knew what day it was because that was the day we were going to do it. But if I don't have anything specific, every day becomes the same as another day. So I wake up and I think, okay, what can I do today? Summertime for me is a good time for me to go out and putter in the garage and build things around the around the, the office and, and work on books, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I do that. That was normally what I would do when I was still traveling and speaking full time is my summers would be my, my downtime where I would putter around the house. I would do things, but I would also work on updating programs, updating my websites, uh, maybe writing and writing a new book or updating a, a new book this year. Uh, I've just done two books in the last three weeks that originally were written as eBooks uh, back in 2011. So I took them and rewrote them and expanded them and, and they're now available, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm that kind of person that I need to be producing something. Same thing when I'm working with a client, you know, I will bug the heck out of clients to do something. I don't want to see them struggling when there is something they could do to move ahead. And if I see something, I'm really good at pointing it out, even if sometimes it's an awkward situation. I, when I was working with Bill Comrie from The Brick, he's the guy who founded The Brick and built it to the billion-dollar company across Canada. And for five years, I, I was brought in to work with him and his president and his CEOs and various things. We, we wrote a book called The Brick Way, and we created a, a secret selling tips to train all our salespeople, which we then migrated out to sell to other companies. And But one particular year, he was getting a lot of invitations to speak, or he was getting a lot of awards. And one of them happened to be uh, the Alberta Home Builders Association was having an event in Jasper, and they asked him to come speak. So I was working with him on his presentation and you know, doing a, a PowerPoint program for him because he had never done that. So that was just me being the support guy. And as we're working on it, I said to him, I said, Bill, you know, just I had an idea. You're, you're leaving money on the table 
which was kind of like waving a red flag in front of a bull. He goes, what? <laughs> and I said, think about it. You're speaking to the Alberta Home Builders Association. They build houses that people live in. And if people live in a house, they probably need to buy some new furniture. And the light bulb went on. So we brainstormed an idea. And actually, during his speech, he outlined it and made an offer to any of the people in there that were builders that he would give you free furniture to, to create a show home as long as you advertise the brick. And at the end of the year, you had the option of either returning the furniture or selling it at cost to the person who bought the show home. According to him, that made him $12 million. <laughs> Too bad you weren't on commission. <laughs> uh, I, I sometimes wonder, but the thing is, the ideas come as they come. That's one of the things I bring to the table when I'm working with with a client is I look at their business from an outside. You know, I see things that they don't see. It's just like we all have weaknesses. We have strengths. We need somebody to point it out, to say, you know, here's an area you could really benefit by using more of, or here's something that's hurting you and you need to fix it before it kills you. Yeah. Sometimes people just can't see what's in front of them. Well, we don't. We don't. Yeah. We're sometimes so focused on what we're doing. It's kind of like you probably heard the catchphrase work on on the business, not in the business. Absolutely. Sometimes we're we're so busy in the business, we miss opportunities, we miss areas that, that are hurtful to us because we're just, we're plowing along and all of a sudden we run into that brick wall and go, whoa, where'd that come from? It's actually been there for like two miles, but you couldn't see it. True. In the spirit of having people start being creative in this time and getting on their new learning curve, I understand that you're offering a giveaway for all our listeners. Yes, I am. I, I wrote a book this this year, shortly after COVID hit. It's called Succeed. It's idea-rich strategies to succeed in business despite global disruptions. It's my gift to you to help you wherever you are and wherever you want to go. Thank you very much, Bob. Yes, certainly. We'll certainly put that in the show notes. And to finally wrap up, Bob, how, if people want to connect with you and, and find out more about what you do or find your books, what's the best way for people to reach you? Okay. If they want to find the books, go to successpublications.ca because all of mine plus some of the other ones that we're working, we're starting to work with other authors now as well, like somebody I know on the other side of this podcast. <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Volume two and several books coming along from Greg Gazin in the future. But you can also find me on my main speaking site, which is www.ideaman.net. We'll certainly have those in the show notes. And yes, I am one of those people that Bob likes to push around, but not in a good, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I want you to succeed, my friend. I want you to succeed. Well, thank you very much, Bob, for being on the program again. It's funny because I've mentioned this to you before. Some of the stories that you've shared, I've heard before many times before but it's it's the way you deliver them with such freshness it's almost as if i hadn't heard them again and i still i still chuckle at each one of them well i think that's one of the secrets i've learned uh, as a professional speaker is to is not tell the story but live the story that keeps it fresh keeps it interesting because if i get bored with it the audience is going to get bored with it bob Huey, it's been an absolute pleasure greg gazin it's been my privilege Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. 
If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmasters specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.